Good afternoon and welcome to the business community on Callan FM. With me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. And this week the news has been all Brexity and politicky and Europey. So um, I had to dig a little bit deeper to find something to tell you. Um, so just this morning, the Deputy Governor of the Bank of England, who's called Dave Ramsden, did you know, uh-huh. has said that growth is likely to be slower than the Bank of England's Monetary Policy Committee had forecast earlier this month. That's his own personal opinion, adding that he's a little more pessimistic on GDP growth than his colleagues. Furthermore, a no-deal Brexit, sorry, I mentioned the B word, with no transition beforehand would have a large negative economic effect. And then a report published by the International Renewable Energy Agency, this is better news, this week says that electricity generated by onshore wind and solar technologies will, in the next year, be consistently cheaper than from any fossil fuel source. And a bit of local news, local construction firm Knights has been shortlisted for this year's Insider Wales Property Awards in the Workplace Design of the Year category. We were talking about workplace design only a few weeks ago, weren't we? I wonder wonder what they've designed or whose building they've designed. It's the renovation of um, the Three Eagles restaurant and bar in Tlangothlan, which was completed at the end of last year. Ah, very good. Good reason for us to go and Yeah, I was just going to say, I can feel a site visit coming on. <laughs> and just for a bit of fun, on this day in 1431, Joan of Arc was burned at the stake okay. for heresy by the English at a tribunal in Rouen in France. So the topic we're going to discuss in more detail today is tourism. And we were inspired by the report from the ONS, which has got a lot of statistics in it. And it's a report from February 2019 with lots of information about overseas tourism and tourism in general. So um, the general impression I got from the stats, because there are lots of stats and I could go through them all. But at this stage, my general impression from having read the one from February and the one from the end of last year was that... um, Tourism seems to um, be be changing a little bit. Fewer people are staying at home. They've sort of reached a peak in 2017 and now they're just starting to to go overseas again. That was my general take from it. Um, But also that um, people aren't coming to the UK quite as much as they were. Now, um, I read an article that was published just this week in The Independent which said that a pledge from... um, Brexiteers had said that Britain would outcompete other major tourism destinations with inbound travellers um, taking advantage of the slump in the pound. Yeah, that seems to have not happened either. So actually, um, according to this article in the Independent, UK's tourism deficit is bigger than ever. So we're actually sending more people abroad than are coming to the UK. So what did you find out, Heather? It's a massive subject, tourism. And then I thought, well, maybe we should have narrowed this down a bit. So a bit later in this section, we'll come to Wales. But what did you find out about tourism in general? Yeah, I mean, there are loads of stats. And and most of the information was either uh, on the Office of National Statistics website or Visit Britain. Uh, Visit Britain website um, had lots of articles and they are predicting that by 2025, just under 10% of UK GDP will be from tourism, um, which equates to £257 billion and will support 3.8 million jobs, which is 11% of UK jobs. We as a country, the UK, are the sixth largest tourist destination in the world, uh, with 40 million people visiting us in 2018. 
London being the biz- biggest attraction, um, with about 54% of all tourism spent spend being spent in London. And the majority of that comes from our friends across the pond in America. Wow. So I thought that that was really interesting. And then just as you were saying, the outbound tourism, so the amount of tourism pounds that we send overseas uh, is 72.8 million. Uh, so um, most of that is spent in Spain. So when you start to look at the ranking of UK destinations, we start with, and if you if you keep your average American tourist in mind, because the Americans that come over to England are the ones that have got the most money, really, because a lot of poorer states tend not to have massive uh, tourism outside of the USA. We go through from London to Edinburgh to Bath to Stonehenge to Windsor to the Cotswolds to York to Oxford. It's all that history that they're interested in. Then we get Liverpool and Manchester, Canterbury, and then in 11th position, Cardiff. So it's all it's all England. It's England, England, England. And then it's Cardiff and then it's Loch Ness. Uh, so we know that London is full of tourists. That, But a lot of the Americans, they do this kind of tour to each of the landmarks. And I, I, I don't know about you, but you know, I've, well, I've spent quite a lot of time in Scotland and you often bump into Americans and they you say, you know, where, what are you what are you doing? And they're just doing this grand tour. They're doing Europe and they're doing England. Fun. Yeah. And they're doing it perhaps in a camper van or um, on a, a, you know, a hotel tour. Um, and because for them, this is a very small country. But but Visit Britain also mentioned uh, the government um, in 2015 um, commissioned a report into tourism that was going to look at um, various trends. Uh, and some of these reports that we've been quoting um, are the output from from that. So they spent £40 million on understanding tourism in the UK um, over That's a, a nice job. four-year period. Yes, yeah. And, and starting to look at you know, how much money comes in and how much money goes out. Uh, And the latest figures are the January figures where the incoming, there has actually been a 6% rise in the number of people. This is January 2019 um, and a 2% decrease in the amount of people going overseas. Um, And of course, some of that will be wrapped up in the whole Brexit thingy. I had a quick look at a report from ABTA as well. So they they did a whole review of 2018 and it's called the Holiday Habits Report. And uh, a couple of things I picked out. Apparently the trend for solo holidays has been growing in recent years. And uh, although, as you might imagine, uh, it's the people most likely to travel solo are in the older age bracket. So those aged 75 plus However, one of the growing age brackets and noticeable change is the 35 to 44 year olds, an increase of 11 percent in solo travel in just one year. So is that is that it's become more common for even though you might be in a relationship, one of you to go off and do some sort of creative holiday, go sailing, go painting, go bird watching? I think so. They did find out in the report they said just over um 92% said that travelling alone meant they had the opportunity to do what they wanted. Yes, yes, you don't. Yeah, you don't. It's not that they they have to go on their own because they've got no friends. It's that they <laughs> they have the ability to be more selective. <laughs> and do you know what the most popular holiday, um, type of holiday is in the UK? Ooh, um, 
Oh, I don't know. From people travelling from the UK or... From the UK, yeah. going within the UK. Within or, the UK or, ab- or abroad. I want to say beach holiday, but it's probably city break, is it? It is. 48% last year was city, city breaks. breaks. Closely followed by 40% as beach holidays. Wow. Well, because there are loads of deals, aren't there, about, you know, a couple of nights here or a couple of nights there. And maybe it's because we're less able to afford to invest in the two-week holiday somewhere. So we yeah. we sort of package something up well, that's a bit the, more. And uh, the report um, in ABTA also says that spend has gone down in, in the 12 months from 2017 to 2018. And they expect it to go down again in 2019. So people, rather than spending a lot on their holidays, are spending more on getting the right type of holiday. Yeah. So the split of the spending. Okay, popular destinations from this report by ABTA for the next 12 months. Where do you think people holidaying from the UK, where's their most popular destination? Uh, at the moment, it will be Europe somewhere. Yes, Main, 61%. Mainland okay. Okay. Um, and then uh, clearly this doesn't add up to 100. So no. people are doing more than one holiday. I dare that. Um, yeah. 59% to the UK. Ah, okay. And then we've got North America, Asia at 13%, um, South America and Australia tie at 5 Africa at 4%, and Antarctica. Oh. 1%. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get to Wales then. Um I thought I'd have a look, do a little bit of research on Welsh um, tourism performance. And the government came up trumps with their statistics. They published a report in March of this year covering a period from January to September. Lots of stats in there. But generally, Wales does seem to be doing better than the the picture in general um, for the UK. So there were 8.1 million overnight domestic GB trips to Wales in the first nine months of 2018, generating an expenditure of £1.5 billion. It's big money, in it? And then during that time, there were 75 million tourism day visits to Wales, £3.1 billion worth of spend, and 784,000 trips taken in Wales by international visitors during that same period. And of average room occupancy rates in there, hotels 68%, which is quite high. Mm. Guest houses down at 38, self-catering 59 and hostels 54%. So the, generally, the the recent reports are saying that they're, they're quite um, confident I about think, tourism in Wales at the moment. I think the self-catering stat would be a really interesting one to monitor, you know, to look at going back. Because when you have the things uh, like Airbnb um, and, you know, and a self-catering, lots of different self-catering facilities, because as money gets tighter, you might spend more money on renting somewhere. But then if you're at home, you've got to eat. Yeah. If you're on holiday, you've got to eat. So if you can self-cater, it, it saves you money, doesn't it? You can eat beans on toast if if you want to. But if you've got a self-catering place that's a, an amazing upgrade from where you normally live yeah. in a fantastic location, then people perhaps consider it worth the spend. Yes, yeah. One thing that I found, thinking if you are in the business of tourism, um, Visit Britain have um, have got an index of industry groups and, um, and professional bodies for different um elements of hospitality and travel so of course there's ABTA but there are things like the Association of Independent Museums, uh, the British Association of Leisure Parks, Piers and Attractions, Educational Travel Association. So if you visit the Visit Britain website, uh, if you are in the business of tourism there will probably be a professional body that um, that matches the type of uh, tourism 
or hospitality that you're involved in. And so just to finish this section on tourism, if you're in North Wales and you're in the tourism business, then Go North Wales are hosting their fourth annual awards. This is in November at Venue Cymru in Llandidno and the nominations open in June. So keep an eye out for those Go North Wales tourism awards. Now, another piece of news that um, or information that caught my eye this week, building on the tourism that we've just been talking about, is the Development Bank of Wales. Um, it's, it's a bit weird, isn't it? Because things get mentioned. So somebody I was talking to the other day mentioned the bank and I said, what the heck's that? Um, and then just sort of filed it in my brain. And then I came across something about the Tourism Investment Fund. Now, the Development Bank of Wales, if you haven't heard of them, they manage a range of public and private funds that come up that total over a billion pounds. And they are split across a number of funds. Now, there are um, there are loans that are available. So this is kind of where you would go if you're a predominantly an SME. Um, and if you're looking to to borrow some money. Now, the Tourism Investment Fund um, is a fund of £500 million, and there are loans available of uh, between 100000 and £5 million, which are repayable over a 10 to 15-year period. And, of course, there are criteria for all of these. But then that led me to look at other things. So commercial property, there's a commercial property fund, which holds £55 million. And there are loans available there of between 250000 and £5 million, repayable over um, a maximum of five years. And the one that I thought was really interesting as I uh, run an SME is the micro loan fund. You know, sometimes you just need a little bit of extra cash um, to to move things along to help with something in particular. Just maybe take a, a step towards yes, something. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and so the micro loan fund are uh, loans of between 1000 and 50000 uh, repayable, uh, repayable over a time period of between one and ten years. Uh, and there are lots of other funds. So it's developmentbank.wales um, and then they've got a technology seed fund, they've got uh, a management succession fund, uh, a stalled sites fund. That's if you're working on something that's sort of ground to a bit of a halt um, and you need a cash injection. And then there's also um, a Wales Angel co-investment fund. So, But there are about 15 different funds uh, there. So I just thought that was a really interesting one. That, and sometimes you think, OK, there's a reason why this is coming into my mind. Uh, so certainly worth checking out, developmentbank.wales. What's caught your eye, Tracy? OK, so let's stay in Wales then. The North Wales Economic Ambition Board of published a blog just today about the £1 billion growth deal that uh, they're hoping will boost the economy and create up to 15,000 jobs over the next 10 years. Apparently, there are seven strategic programmes included, and these are now in place for the 2019-2020 timeline. They include low-carbon energy, advanced manufacturing, land-based industries, which apparently are agriculture and tourism, land and property, skills and employment, digital connectivity and strategic transport. If you are in those areas, if you are in the supply chain of those types of industries, it's worth having a look and seeing what it's all about. The Growth Vision's aim is to increase the economy value in North Wales to £26 billion by 2035 from what's currently £13.6 So if you're interested in finding out more, their website is North Wales. EAB.co.uk. 
And another uh, item that caught my eye, uh, my husband, a long, long time ago, worked for the Queen's Awards Office. He was involved in, uh, it started off as the Queen's Award for Enterprise. Uh, and they're inviting, the winners have just been announced for this year, and they're inviting applications uh, for uh, next year. So this is applications from the 1st of May through to the 10th of September. The Queen's Award for Enterprise uh, goes to um, businesses who have an outstanding achievement in the categories of innovation, international trade, sustainable development or promoting opportunity through social mobility very much on the um, the business agenda at the moment. Um, if your company wins, you get invited to a royal reception, you are presented with the award by one of the Queen's representatives, and you are given a grant of appointment, which is an official certificate um, and a crystal trophy, and you can use that um, logo on your, your promotional material for five years. So it's a five-year award. There have been a whole range of winners, uh, all different types of size organisations. So it's not just for the big guys. Um, and it just looks like something that is worth finding out a bit more information about. Uh, this year, um, about around 200 businesses um, were uh, at the, the Buckingham Palace reception. Um, and one of the reasons why you might get involved is because previous international trade winners have seen a 73% boost to their international sales and worldwide recognition. Okay. So it, it's That's significant. significant. Yeah. You, if you've got the Queen's Award for Enterprise, um, it's going to boost your business. And just on that, I think, one of the things about international trade is that I just assume that the type of work that I do, there is no international market for it. There is. There's international market for all sorts of things. And if you um, if you spend some time, um, you know, researching the type of thing, there will always be a demand. I train in communication, although I don't do any of this and it's on my to do list, so to speak. There are opportunities to deliver training, particularly in um, the United Arab Emirates and places like that where English-speaking trainers are in demand. So if you start to look at the department, um, it's not called the DTI, is it? Uh, the department... That formerly known as. as yes, yeah. <laughs> the, the department for... What, what is it? The department for... It used to be the DTI. You know what I mean, anyway. Um, they will advise you and give you guidance. But apart from that, if you go to gov.uk, there's information on the Queen's Awards for Enterprise, and I think it's worth having a look at, even if you are an SME. This is not just for big the big boys. By the way, Heather, that's twice now that you've mentioned on air that you could export your services. So I think it's a done deal it's now. It's about You've got time to do I it. need to do it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't just talk about it. Do it. Let's talk about uh, employment coming the other way then. So in its first full review of job shortages in five years, the Migration Advisory Committee. Did you know anything about that? No. Is this to do with birds? No. It said that shortage of workers in Britain's economy has increased since 2013 when they did the last report. Uh, unemployment has fallen to its lowest since 1975 and they've recommended that jobs similar to those done by 9% of workers in Britain should be put on an immigration shortage list. So the immigration shortage list uh, means that if employers need to employ somebody from abroad, they don't have to prove that they were unable to hire a British worker to do the job. 
Oh, okay. Otherwise, if they're not on that list, if you want to hire somebody from abroad, you have to prove that you've tried to recruit in the UK. Right, okay. So the current list, which excludes the changes recommended today, they haven't been enacted yet. But generally, I'm, I'm understanding the government does take on board the recommendations from the Migration Advisory Committee. So the sorts of jobs that are on this shortage list are engineers of all kinds, of course. Mm -hmm. We've talked about the skills gap Mm -hmm. there. A range of IT professionals, particularly visual effects and computer animation graphic designers, skilled chefs, high integrity pipe welders. I think that's about the pipe. It's not about them, is it? Yeah, the the welders with high integrity. integrity. Yeah, Um, Ballet dancers. Skilled orchestral musicians, paramedics, children and family social workers, secondary school teachers of math, science, computers and Mandarin and a range of healthcare professionals. I can only assume that um, over the coming years... It's going to be that that going gap is longer. going to be getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So is this the sort of list that, you know, if you're thinking, oh, I quite like the idea of emigrating to Australia, there will be so they've got a call for nurse. So they need nurses. Yeah. So if you are a nurse, you kind of fast tracked through in terms of we want you come in. You don't have to get this. I imagine that most countries have got the same sort of yeah, list where okay. they, they know they've got those um, vacancies. Yeah. So that is an interesting list. So just quickly before we finish this section, I want to give a shout out for 360 Networking, uh-huh. which is run by our friends at Business Line here in Wrexham. Their next meeting is on the 11th of June, starts at five o'clock, runs till 6.45, and it is at the Atrium Suite of Red with a Tower. This meeting, the speaker is Helen Williams of the Northwest Regional Organised Crime Unit. That Ooh, sounds exciting. However, yes. oh, she's talking about the threat of cybercrime, which is still organised yep. crime. Yep. Um, it just It's not line of duty sort of organised crime. Right. Um, but protecting yourself and your business from the threat of cybercrime is the topic. And you're able to attend one meeting per year free of charge. And even if you join for the full year, the, the um, cost of membership is very low indeed and it's a nice little place to go for a bit of networking it is now one other bit of news that is very very important all of all of the stuff we've talked about is just fades into insignificance because this show is have this show the business community is having a change of time slot from next week our show on the 6th of june uh, and every week thereafter will be airing from midday not one o'clock so be sure to set your alarm clock for an hour earlier you can listen to us while you eat your lunch um book an early lunch so that's the business community from midday on Calon fm starting from next thursday now this part of the show we always used to dedicate to a review of one thing and what we've decided to do is to spread the net a little wider share the love yes that's right and we've called it the discovery session section and it's where we we tell you and share with you and each other indeed because we'll have gone away and done this research independently something that we've discovered this week that we think is useful is noteworthy that we can recommend or or indeed if we've discovered something dreadful and we want to share that as well we might possibly do that so i'm going to kick off with a book that i discovered i've i took out a one month um trial 
um, subscription to Kindle Unlimited mm -hmm. because I read a lot of books, business books and fiction books. And I thought, well, uh, there was one of the books on there that I wanted to read, which was the 25th hour that you mentioned oh, on yes. the show a couple yeah, of weeks yes. ago. So I read that using Kindle Unlimited. And then I was searching around for other business books to read on there. And they weren't the ones that I wanted to read so much until I came across this one. Now, this book is by an author that we've already reviewed a book. Um, he's called Akash Karia and we reviewed How to Deliver a Great TED Talk. And we reviewed it and praised it very highly. It was a great little read. He'd researched TED Talks and picked out the best bits from the TED Talks and gave advice. And also that lovely thing that we like in some of these um these books these business books is that he sums it up at the end in a nutshell uh, as to what his main learn learning points are from each chapter he's got this other book called um ted worthy presentation slides so how to design ted worthy presentation slides and it is as good as the other book now currently at the moment i'm working for an organization who's um They've got very strict standards about how they expect their presentations to be when you're presenting to to various um, group, other groups and, and divisions. And it's a bit word heavy and it perhaps needs, they need to read this book. <laughs> is it, is <laughs> it like the olden days of PowerPoint when yeah. you just got lots of stuff that you just read out loud? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, okay. stand, stand and face the screen and read out what's on the PowerPoint. Uh, okay. That is literally death by PowerPoint. Mm, for everybody, it? the presenter as well. <laughs> So I've gone through here and it was really refreshing because it, it's sort of stuff that you instinctively are crying out for when you're in a presentation where somebody's just turned to read. And and also the idea of having bullet points with no more than six words, that's also old hat now. So that used oh. to be the guidance, but it's like steer clear from that. There's a lot of other advice that they're offering. And some of the slides that he shows are absolutely amazing. And you go, yeah, I actually would be really proud to present a presentation like that. And he was saying, you know, if, if you can't deliver a presentation, say you're going to try and get a new client and you just stick up um, a PowerPoint presentation and read through the bullet points that are there, it looks a bit samey, it looks a bit old hat, mm. yeah, you know, whatever, anybody can do that. Um, and the, the ones he's talking about, they're not fancy, they're not flash or anything like that, they're really good advice. You know, one idea per slide doesn't matter if you've got 200 slides don't put all your ideas on one slide and he talks about using pictures but really practical advice on how to do that now he says in the book i'm not here to show you how to use the software to do this go and find that out yep. but if you can do this with a picture and do that with your font that's going to create a world-class looking slide but one of the things that caught my eye right at the beginning, he says, Sir Ken Robinson delivered a very inspiring speech on education. We've talked about it yes. when we talked about yeah. Ken Robinson. Probably the most watched TED Talk of all time, I think. He didn't use any slides at all. So don't use a slide if you don't need a slide. Yes. And, and he, he talks about the things where... Um, when you're preparing a presentation, don't immediately open PowerPoint. He says that's one of the problems is people do their thinking and their planning on PowerPoint. You need to do all that on paper and storyboard it like you would a film and only then open PowerPoint. So I can highly recommend it. How to Design Tedworthy Presentation Slides by Akash Karia. And currently, at the moment, it is on Kindle Unlimited. If you've got uh, a subscription to that, come Saturday, I probably won't 
because they don't have the books on there that I actually want to read. Right, okay, all right. What did you discover this week, Heather? Well, I've gone for a book as well. Now, if I'm completely honest, this is a book that has been on my bookcase for a while. Um, And I bought it when I was doing some work with a young artist... Uh, who I may have mentioned before, actually, on the show. And um, is this the one that wrote to Wayne Hemingway? Yes, yep. yeah, yeah. So he's one of my, he's my favourite artist. He's your, he's your go-to. He's my little, because <laughs> he just, his story, I just think, is so interesting because he just grew and developed and is now, you know, enjoying really good success. Anyway, it's a little book by a guy called Austin Cleon and it's called Show Your Work, 10 Ways to Share Your Creativity and Get Discovered. Now, it is written... Um, the the target audience are are people who are artists and they want to get their work noticed because anybody can paint. Well, not anybody can paint, but well, we can all paint, but might not be saleable. Might not be saleable. And it's really, really hard to be a successful artist. So this book talks you through some of the things that you that you need to do, really. But it works beautifully just for life in general and for business in general. And if I just read out the the headings of the different chapters, you'll start to see. So um, first of all, even if you just remember these things and nothing else, you don't have to be a genius, okay? You don't have to be the best of the best of the best. You need to be you. You need to be what, just be comfortable in what you're offering. Think process, not product. So Taught your people are interested to know how you came about, how you, how you, how you came to be doing what you're doing. Um, share something small every day. So social media, put, put snippets of information out there, whatever it is. Open up your cabinet of curiosities. Oh, I, I love like that. Sound sound. Of that. I mean, I, you know, I'm just peeping over the desk here. It looks like a really fun book to read. It looks like a work of art. Yeah, it's love. It's yeah, it's it's really easy to read, um, and. It sort of talks about, you know, think about what you've got and share some of that. You know, don't keep it all. So often people keep things so close to themselves. You know, don't be afraid to share. Um, Tell good stories where you love. I love a good story. You love a good story. Um, Teach what you know. So, you know, just share. Share information because you could be the best artist in the world and you could talk to somebody about how you do what you do. doesn't mean they're going to be able to do it. So you're not going to give away the crown jewels. Uh, don't turn into human spam. So you know, don't don't think about. Oh well, if I if I play the numbers game and I'm, I bombard people, they will respond. No, they won't. Be targeted and be specific. Learn to take a punch, which I think is sound advice. And in fact, at the beginning of each chapter, uh, he he includes a quote, as do so many books these days. And the, at the front of that particular chapter, there's a quote from Cindy Lauper. And it says, and you can imagine her saying this, I ain't going to give up. Every time you think I'm one place, I'm going to show up someplace else. I come pre-hated. Take your best shots. <laughs> I love that. And it's, I just think that's great. Um, sell out. Uh, and that doesn't literally mean sell everything. But be prepared to fund. Your, use other income streams to fund some of your work. Uh, and finally, uh, the final chapter is stick around. You, you know, don't give up. Just at the point when you think it's time to give up, that's the time to stick around. Uh, it, it's a great book. It's um, it's twelve dollars. I can't remember what I paid for this. Um, I've lent it to various people, but I've never actually studied it myself. I, I I saw it and I thought this will work for Luke, 
um, and I think he found it helpful. Uh, so that's my that's my share for this week. Show Your Work by Austin Cleon. So all of the books that we mention in the shows, we do put on our blog, on our website, thebusiness.community. And if you would be so kind as to click through that link if you're interested in buying the book or even thinking about buying the book, Amazon will remember that you did that. And if you buy the book within the next couple of months, they will send us about two pence towards the upkeep of our SoundCloud account and our website. And we would be eternally grateful to you. This week, our business uh, personality uh, is the founder of Innocent Drinks. You know, those little bottles of smoothie that you that you see that have got, you know, goji berry and goodness knows what else in them. Um, his name is Richard John Reed, CBE. He was born on the 13th of February 1973 and is an English businessman, investor and entrepreneur. He founded, as I say, Innocent Drinks in 1998 with a couple of other people uh, and and also um, an investment group called Jam Jar Investments, which he founded in 2012. The the innocent uh, drinks business was sold to Coca-Cola um, for a huge sum of money back in 2013. And the story of how they started making, well, they, they basically gave up their jobs, started making these smoothie drinks that he was selling from a little market stall and then built the business up um, over a number of years is a really interesting story. Um, he uh, he has written a book. He now spends a lot of his time looking at investing in other uh, businesses and his reported net worth in 2016 is £50 million sterling. Uh an interest, and he, he actually looks quite normal. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's praise indeed, isn't it? Not normal in you know in a grey, boring way, but he doesn't he doesn't look like the wackiest person on earth, and yet he 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 found an idea and he stuck with it. Um, and for a former geography student, I think uh, he's achieved great things. What do you know about Richard Reed, Tracy? Well, some quite interesting things. So I've had this book on my bookshelf for a long time and it's all about the history of Innocent and it's a, it's a good fun read, a bit like the one that you were holding opposite there. Um, it's quirky, a bit like the packaging for Innocent yes. Drinks. So that's where it took me. Wackaging. Have you heard of wackaging? Only in the context of, um, <laughs> of this business. It's the quirky messages on the back of packaging or, or products. And it, it appears to be a, a bit of a Marmite thing. Some people love it, some people hate it. And there's a whole Twitter account dedicated to it, at Wackaging. And it says, <laughs> its bio is documenting wacky, cutesy, over-familiar, infantilised product packaging. So I'm guessing they're not big fans. But... Um, they, I, I, li- I quite like them if they're done well. They're not, yeah. not heavy handed. Um, there was one that I saw on Twitter recently. Um, it's a, one sentence on the back of a bottle of shampoo hidden amongst all of the, those tiny, tiny words that are there with the ingredients. And it basically said, you're only reading this because you forgot to take your phone to the toilet, aren't you? <laughs> Brilliant. And I, I reckon yeah. that probably... Um, uh, you know, sort of hit a few nerves with a few people yes. there. So, yeah, I, I quite like that. But he, he's sort of become known for wackaging. And I've, I read in an article that he went, "Is that my contribution to society?" Well, <laughs> wackaging. Well, well, there are worse <laughs> worse contributions to be made. But I went to look at Company's House, um, as you rightly say. He was the co-founder of Innocent and Jam Jar Investments, but 
eight current appointments he has on Companies House. Okay. So Jam Jar Investments Nominee Limited, Open Britain Limited, which is a um, a British pro-European Union campaign uh, set up in the aftermath of the you, you know what referendum. Yeah. Also Open Reason. I followed the links for that one, um, but it says on the website, following Sir Nick Clegg's appointment of Facebook's Vice President Global Policy and Communications, the Open Reason office is now closed. But I'm guessing it's uh, another um, pro-Europe um, organisation. He's also a director of Sundog Pictures Limited and a, a co-director on there is Sam Branson. Oh, okay. Richard's son. Okay. Founders for Good. So it's an interesting website. Uh, the website is founderspledge.com and it's similar to some of the other um, sort of um, initiatives that we've talked about on the show where founders of businesses that have gone on to do well are also pledging to do something to make a difference in society. Reaper Limited was interesting purely because there were two notices for compulsory strike-off on their company's house record which were both discontinued, so presumably you know, they, they'd they done whatever they needed to do to comply with companies' house rules. And I thought, oh, this is going to be like a, a dormant company that they just have to keep popping in these, um, uh, you know, the accounts for on an annual basis mm. and maybe forget. But it's got assets of about £6 million, so that I didn't have time to dig even deeper, right, but that okay. was interesting. Uh, Jam Jar Investments and the Innocent Foundation which is charitable work that he's doing. I think the CBE was for um, charitable work. It was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, um, looking into all of those things, I also then came across uh, a quote in an article in um, The Independent. He was talking about how he got the business up and running with his co-founders. They didn't have a lot of money to start up with. They'd left well-paid jobs um, in marketing uh, to come and do this job. And... uh, at one point, they said they were they were a bit desperate after a lot of fruitless conversations ending in rejection. They sent out an email that said in the subject matter, does anyone know anyone rich? <laughs> and it worked for them because it ultimately ended up with them being introduced to businessman Morris Pinto, who backed them to the tune of a quarter of a million pounds. Wow. The rest is history. That's brilliant. That is brilliant. I mean, certainly... As you say, they're wackaging and, you know, this, this sort of brand is quite quirky and fun and it's all this sort of handwritten font, etc. Um, and in fact, although they're now owned by Coca-Cola, I popped along to their LinkedIn page and there on the um, on the front of the LinkedIn page, it says we make we make healthy drinks and give 10 percent to charity. Fancy a job. So that's <laughs> and then they've got lots of posts that they're advertising. So that sort of thing, they're, they're giving the 10 cents charity. And one article I said was the reason why Coca-Cola were interested in them. So oh, they were trying to improve their, their corporate, corporate social responsibility. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And they got it ready made in so a successful attractive. company. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I also um, went and had a, a look at... Um, Uh, at the Innocent Drinks website and they've got some information around the gender pay gap um, and the work that they're doing and there were some really interesting elements in there actually of things that they're trying to do. They recognise that there's still a long long way to go uh, in terms of the gender pay gap but they are aware of um, what they need to do and they are making slight improvements Um, and he talks very much about the legacy fact that you know um, people tend to get promoted within an organisation. So if you have got a lot of men in a particular area, uh, if the women are at a lower point, it it takes time for them to be promoted up within the organisation. But they're confident that they're doing all sorts of things to improve that. Um, And and as I say, their gender pay gap, um, it's an improving picture. 
um, and they, they're doing all sorts of things like one thing that really caught my eye, we're rolling out unconscious bias training for all managers to make sure we're considering diversity and inclusion in all of our hiring and promotion decisions. Don't know many people that are actually stating that. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's they're, they're doing their thing. Um, yeah, I quite, I, I, I quite like, he wrote a book as well. Yeah, so I was going to mention the book. I, yeah. I had a quick look. Um, if I could tell you just one thing, mm. encounters with remarkable people and their most valuable advice. Key to note here that he's donating his profits from the book to five mentoring and social inclusion charities. But essentially what he's done is he's approached, in his words, some of the world's most remarkable people and asked them to share with him some of their hard-earned wisdom and insights into life and how to make the most of it. It sounds fascinating. I've not read it, so it may be something I go and discover in the next couple of weeks. So Bill Clinton, Claire Balding, Stephen Fry, Judy Dench, James Corden, Margaret Atwood, David Attenborough, Annie Lennox, Harry Belafonte. Um, let's go through non-actors now. Oh, Richard Branson, Nicholas Sturgeon, Mario Testino, Katie Bear Grylls. Katie Piper. Katie Piper. Um, oh, yeah, she's on the list. Yeah, yeah. and there's a quote that she uh, mentions in the book. The only way barriers exist is in our heads. We create them, we feed them, and we choose to keep them alive. Uh, and I, you know, thinking about that whole, the unconscious bias thing as well. You know, we can, we can overcome those. Uh, it's, I, it looks like a good book. I, again, I haven't got it, but... No, so... On that uh, theme, quotes, um, I've got a quote from Richard Reed, and it's from an interview with Huffington Post in 2016. He says, I wish the media didn't position things to say to be a success in business, you have to be an aggressive man in a suit, being rude to people in a position of power. Because that's not entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is a collaboration between people on equal footing. Heather, did you come up with a quote? I didn't come up with a quote this week, um, but I would recommend that people take a look at the gender pay gap report for uh, innocent drinks because I think it has some really good sentiments in it. Well, that's all we've got time for this week. Remember to tune in next week at the earlier time of 12 noon and we'll be back then with the business community. You've been listening to The Business Community with me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. Join us next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business. Music.